Hi guys, welcome to the Bishop podcast where we talk about startups, small businesses, entrepreneurship and remote work. Before we get started with the episode, let me quickly tell you about Bishop. Bishop provides a remote workforce that can help you with your business whether you're an entrepreneur, influencer, startup or an established organization. Bishop provides only the top 1% remote workforce such as virtual assistants, software testers and bookkeeping assistants who are all pre-vetted and trained in-house. To know more about our service, you can click the link in the description below. Now let's enjoy the episode. For this episode, we will have with us Will Schutz, who's a digital sales and marketing coach at Impact. So welcome to the show, Will. It's nice to have you on the show with us. And thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Awesome. Thanks for taking the time and getting up so early and coming onto the show. It's like 7.30 a.m., so pretty early for you out there. Yeah, it's an early one over here, but I... I I got to listen to the last few episodes and I was really happy to be joining this one. You guys have a cool podcast here. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. Uh, so to start off with, uh, could you start, start off by telling us about a bit about yourself and your experience in the dig- digital sales and marketing industry? Yeah, absolutely. I, I came in um, with marketing and finance major from <laughs> and immediately started um, coaching companies how do you leverage the power of video as a utility within mm-hmm. their sales and marketing. Um, and that brought me from helping videographers join sales teams so that they could start making videos with um, their sales teams to to tee up meetings that they're really used to having. That that brought me from, from there all the way to starting to coach CEOs and leaders of sales and marketing teams to hire marketers, position them as being as sales enablement as possible. So making mm-hmm. them as valuable to the sales team as possible, and then coaching and training their sales teams to learn how to leverage the marketers that we help hire. Awesome. That sounds a very interesting role. And when did you get started with this? Like how many years ago did you start off the yeah, journey I'm, in sales and marketing? I'm uh, eight years, I would say, into my professional oh. career, and I'm four years into coaching and training organizations um, like these ones. So I, I'm probably mm-hmm. on my like 200th company or so that I've been working with. Wow. Via Impact. Wow. Which, you, don't, you don't look that old. Yeah, I got the baby face. <laughs> I, I did a little shaving. <laughs> That's it. Awesome, awesome. So which role do you like better? Do you like the coaching role better or working with organizations better? I prefer coaching over everything. Um, there's there's so many cliches to add in of you can't teach someone something that they already think they know. And mm-hmm. even Tiger Woods has a coach. And so um, you start, sure. start to get into the, the high ranking business professional coaching world. And mm-hmm. it's just this wealth of knowledge of like, while you're teaching, you're still learning hundred percent of the time, just because the, the tier of people in that space becomes um, mm-hmm. exceptional to be around. Yeah. And also the industries are evolving so rapidly, like new technology comes in or there's some new trends coming in. So as per your experience, how do you see sales and marketing uh, being evolved over the past few years? Um, I think at its core, I see more and more power going to the buyer, more and more power going to the user. Uh, as, mm-hmm. as information becomes more publicly available, as things become more transparent mm-hmm. and there's just more information out there, the buyer starts to expect and demand more and more of that information themselves. So my mm-hmm. personal take is if you want to be a leader in your in your space, 
the one thing that you have to do 100% of the time is be transparent, open and honest and try and provide mm-hmm. as much free information up front as mm-hmm. we can to keep up with the arms race of all of your informational competitors out there. True. Yeah, I agree with that. So what do you think is the biggest challenge that organizations face in delivering their message or telling their truth? That's a good question. I would say talk to a lot of organizations that have difficulty. Uh, this sounds silly, but have difficulty understanding exactly how to talk about themselves. And, and usually that's because they overcomplicate it at the beginning, at least. Uh, mm-hmm. They, they want to be so different from everybody else. And I think before you can go and speak to your customer, you have to think like them, which is mm-hmm. they probably don't see you as, as different as you may see yourself. And they're also trying mm-hmm. to just contrast you from all of the other options, all of the other solutions set to what could solve their problem. Mm-hmm. So I would say that step one is keep things simple, keep things clear, uh, understand who your, your niche market is, and then drive home with those first. Mm-hmm. So having said that, uh, is it easier for you to work with startups as compared to established organizations? Mm-hmm. Different, different set of challenges, right? I, I prefer mm-hmm. working with smaller companies because there's a lot less red tape and it's not about trying to get everyone bought in and on board. Usually people are more nimble, more ready to work quickly. True, um, true. And it just feels scrappy and I prefer scrappy to bureaucratic and slow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, in, in a bureaucracy, there are like so many people, so you got to get approvals and run it across different channels and all that stuff. Yeah. So what major sector do you focus on b2b or b2c we mostly uh, are a boat we we definitely do both i say maybe 75 percent of my clientele are b2b um Hmm. and 25 are are b2c all right okay so that's interesting now could you tell me the difference between uh the marketing strategy for a b2b and a b2c yeah uh i would say even separate from that it goes everyone's marketing strategy ends up looking quite differently. Uh, and the hmm. first question where we start is by asking the question of how, how does your industry buy? How do people mm-hmm. educate themselves in your space? Cause rule number mm-hmm. one is you as an organization is never going to change how people <clears throat> buy in, in your industry. Uh, I had that conversation with a lot of people of, they want to become extremely searchable online. They want to become the, the answer to people's questions and they're realizing mm-hmm. that their industry is still run by trade shows or referral based marketing mm-hmm. or handshakes and cowboys. And <laughs> it, it's a, it's a bit of a tough realization for them to say, like my, my market is not educating themselves by Googling things. They are doing drastically more relationship oriented stuff. Uh, I think that would mm-hmm. be a good example of where I see maybe the marketing strategy changing the most is trying to figure out where you're meeting your market and how your market purchases. Got it. Got it. So it's not a one size fit all. It would be totally different, different depending on the industry and the company and the space that they operate in. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. So in your content, you speak a lot about building trust with your customers. So will you start off by telling us why is that important? Why is it important for a company to build trust with their clients? Why is trust important? I would, I would argue that at its core, trust is the center of someone being willing to take money out of their pocket and give it to you is that they trust what they're buying from you. Um, Mm -hmm. We have a joke that there's three things that kill deals. It's 
a lack of trust, uh, ambiguity, mm-hmm. and bad personalities. And if you don't nail all three of those, <laughs> particularly the first two, yeah, you're never going to be able to end, have a deal closed. Uh, <clears throat> people won't know what they need, who they need it from, how much it should cost them, the timeline to get it, and what their options were. Mm. And if you can't answer right. those clearly yourself, you're you're having a really hard time closing sales. Makes me want to think. Uh, could you name a brand that does it really well that builds trust? Absolutely. Um, I would say, at least in the United States, one of the toughest buying processes for the last thirty years was buying a used car. Mm-hmm. And that's because there were so many poor connotations with the experience. You you had to go onto a car lot and see the twenty options that they had, and you you felt like you had to drive around and find your options. The car salesman always felt quite sleazy, and you know he was making a commission based on <laughs> what he ended up or she ended up. What he sells to you, yes, exactly. Yeah. It felt like there was no same in India as well. And it, <laughs> so, so this the quote unquote classic like sleazy car salesman was yeah. the of what I would say like one of the toughest industries to do this in well would be. Uh, a company, mm-hmm. CarMax, came along mm-hmm. and made injected so much trust into the used automobile um, industry that they mm-hmm. they completely changed the, the game on its head. They gave prices up front. They mm-hmm. had each of these cars. Um, there was no longer you in a negotiation. There was just a flat rate, mm-hmm. best value deal you could possibly buy. And they gave you so much free education about these cars. So I would say that was a great example of an organization that completely turned what could have been a sleazy industry on its head. Hmm, interesting. So would you say basically educating a customer is something that's the first step towards building trust with your clients? I would say absolutely, yeah. Uh, this is a another cliche in my space, but as consumers, we can all recognize this. Nobody likes to be sold to. I, in particular, yeah, absolutely. have a hard time yeah. with it. When, when I know someone's trying to sell me something, I almost want the opposite of what they want because I, I don't want them <laughs> to quote unquote win. Uh, yeah. Nobody likes to be sold to, but everyone loves to learn how to buy. And I think that is the, the paradigm shift that I like to mm-hmm. do is that we're not selling ourselves anymore. We're teaching someone to buy in an industry. We should be a self-selected mm-hmm. tool for our, our space, the, the place that, that which we think we are the subject matter experts and the, mm-hmm. the core like fundamental proverbial um, answer to anything we give is we recognize there's not better and worse companies in the space that we play in. There's just better and worse fits for every situation Mm. that comes along. And here at Wishow, we we help companies find the right fit for their solutions, whether it's with us or not. All of a sudden, that's like, I'm not being sold to anymore. I'm going down a buyer's journey that acts as a self-selection tool. You feel the difference? Yeah, true. Yeah, absolutely. And I totally agree with you on that. So, I mean, I think it's, um, there's a lot of literature on this, on what you're saying right now. There's a lot of stuff being said by different uh, social media or marketing gurus as well. So why are businesses still failing to do that? Like, what do you think at the core is the problem? Mm. What at the core is the problem of why businesses are failing to generate trust is... A question that I could talk about for hours. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's kind of the whole reason I have a job. I would say, um, at its core, I would say businesses believe that they're different. When in reality, we're mm-hmm. all in the same business of, of generating trust. Um, there's there's a lot of 
we call it ostrich marketing, where you just stick your head in the sand and hope <laughs> that everything's <laughs> going to be okay. Um, yeah, this works out. Exactly. And I think there's a lot of fear maybe about being willing to talk about everything, talking about cost or pricing or your competitors in your space. Mm. Um, some of those mm -hmm, things mm -hmm. just feel so against the grain of how we've done business for so long that mm. uh, to go to go share what your whole cost breakdown would look like on your website or, or at least help people know mm. why cost becomes um, what it is or to help people see what their consideration set should be of when you're considering wish up, here's the other organizations you should be considering all of a sudden mm -hmm. that, that makes people really cringe to say like, ah, I don't want to talk about my competitors. But if, if you're being honest with yourself, you know, you don't have dumb buyers, right? You, you, your buyer's market is probably an extremely intelligent basis of people that understand yeah. how to go find the consideration sets. And so the question is, if they're not going to yeah. learn it from you, <clears throat> Who are they going to learn it from? Hmm. I think yeah, there's a fear about just putting yourself out there and telling your truth. Yeah, I could see that could like why brands would be a bit apprehensive for that. Absolutely. But yeah, no, I agree with you on that. Yeah. Uh, well, I found something really interesting on your website. Uh, Impact talks a lot about the ask you answer, and I think we're going in the same direction. So, could you tell us a bit more about that service that you provide? Yeah. Impact provides coaching and training services to help organizations create world-class content in their space. And mm -hmm. space to me is just industry and location. And so we train companies to hire marketers, videographers, content writers, uh, CRM admins to syndicate all of that content. And then we train sales teams how to utilize those people most effectively. So our engagements mm -hmm. are typically 12 to 18 months doing a lot of culture shifting in a company to help them hire marketers and turn those marketers into sales mm -hmm. enablement people. Okay. So is that the whole essence of the They Ask You Answer program? Yeah. They Ask You Answer is obsessing okay. over your customers' questions, providing the best answers yeah. to those questions online, uh -huh. and then addressing yeah. when you should be sharing that information with a buyer, making it as publicly available as you possibly can. Hmm. So I was reading a few of your success stories on the website and it is really interesting the kind of results you guys have got and clearly the framework works. So could you tell us a bit more about how, how do you guys go about achieving it? Like a bit more in depth, uh, about the whole program. Yeah. Uh, so we go about doing this by, um, typically hiring first off a, a writer, a content marketing manager, somebody whose one job is going to be to publish sales or marketing mm -hmm. tools three times mm -hmm. a week, every single week. All they do is write content. That content is mm -hmm. generated from the sales team by mm -hmm. having a sales team say, what questions are you getting on your demo calls? Or mm -hmm. what typically happens on meeting number one? And what would happen if we mm -hmm. give that information to somebody before meeting number one? What would that turn mm -hmm. meeting number one into? Could all of a sudden people come with better questions or can mm -hmm. you start treating meeting one like meeting two from an informational perspective? Mm -hmm. And so it's typically practicing mm -hmm. writing a good chunk of content and then practicing how to utilize that content in sales communications or publicly mm -hmm. available on our website. Okay. And this content is available on the website. Do you all also target customers with ads or any other stuff like that? Or is it just on the website? Yeah. Uh, ultimately, we help companies create four categories of content. And it's just the four mm -hmm. portions of the buyer's journey broken down. 
I'll, I'll start from the bottom up, but we help companies make sure. post-sales content, content that we would mm-hmm. use after somebody's made a purchase with us. Maybe you're sending like mm-hmm. a product onboarding guide, or maybe you provide a service mm-hmm. and you're um, just bringing a new dealer on that's going to be selling your equipment. And so you have a dealer onboarding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Category is sales content, things that we that we use mm-hmm. to close a sale. So this could be an email mm-hmm. template with with uh, what to expect when working with WishUp piece of content that you mm-hmm. every single time before meeting number one. The last, would be, mm-hmm. or excuse me, the third would be website converting content, things that are available on the mm-hmm. website that improve mm-hmm. people's outreach to us. Um, performance metrics there are, mm-hmm. how do we improve the conversion mm-hmm. rate on our website, the average time that people spend mm-hmm. on our website, and mm-hmm. the average number of pages that they view. We know if they spend more time on our website, they view more pages, they're more likely to purchase something mm-hmm. from us because they're more invested in the purchase. And that last category is just content that gets more people to the website, uh, mm. increasing content. Uh, a way to look at that is everyone at their business should be able to articulate searches. And we could say, whoever would punch, punch this into Google, we know we would be wanting to have a conversation with them. For you, it could be mm-hmm. how to build a loyal remote working team from start to mm. finish. And that could be a guide that you would yeah. say, hey, whoever's putting that into Google, we would want to be the ones having a conversation with them because we know just from hypotheses, whoever's putting that into Google is a qualified buyer of ours. And so you can go hunt yeah. for keywords that we would say, I know whoever's Googling that is a qualified buyer of ours and we want to earn that traffic to our website. Yeah, absolutely. No, totally agree with you on that. So what benchmarks do you all set with? Like, how do you all assess the performance? Is it only the revenue generated or are there other KPIs that you'll set along the way? Yeah, I'll go back through that list. So top to bottom this time, traffic generated. I care about Mm -hmm. how much traffic makes it to the website. How many unique sessions do we have to the site? Second down the list, traffic Mm -hmm. converting. I care about time spent on website, average number of pages viewed on our website, and then Mm -hmm. unique sessions to outreach. So what percentage of the people that make Mm -hmm. it to our website end up reaching out to us? Sales, Mm -hmm. sales metrics I care about, close rates, average time to close, Mm -hmm. and then the average amount of deals that one salesperson could work. All of those things Mm -hmm. are improving if we're making the right sales content. And then post-sales content, I care about average lifetime value of our clients. Uh, You can argue Mm -hmm. like NPS score or the average number of time that somebody stays a client or becomes a customer. that one has to be broken down a little bit by customer type. But when I'm going and writing a new piece of content or making a video, mm-hmm. I, I first say, this is when I would use it in my process. And this is the performance metric that I believe mm-hmm. it's going to have an impact on. I think this KPI would, mm-hmm. would improve if we injected a video here that walks through an agreement or something along those lines. Mm, interesting. And, uh, like, so do you have clients in specific that you deal with, or is it like a whole team effort? Do you have a team of a content writer and a SEO guy and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, I have a team of um, seven people that I, I do wow. the, the quarterly planning sessions. So I lead people through what the next mm-hmm. 90 days should look like. And I meet with their leadership team to give um, feedback on their team. And then we have specialists below. Mm-hmm. We have a video specialist, a content writing specialist, a HubSpot and CRM mm-hmm. specialist. specialist and then last a web Mm -hmm. team that helps companies create a website that they don't rely on anyone to keep updating that website awesome that's amazing will i mean just by speaking to you for 20 minutes i'm sure that impact has uh, an amazing asset with them and you guys are doing amazing work i appreciate it man yeah we have a lot of fun
Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, I Prince, that, that's it for today. Thank you so much for your time. I got to learn a lot, and I'm sure our listeners and viewers must have learned a lot as well from your expertise and knowledge. So thanks once again for coming onto the show. You got it, Crispino. Thank you for having me, man. You guys got an awesome setup going. Good luck to you. All right. Awesome. Thanks, Will.